Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to be with you here again today. Uh, my name is Scott Stevens, and I'm the counseling pastor here at West End Baptist Church. And I want to extend a special welcome to those of you who are visiting with us today. Our senior pastor is taking a much-needed vacation for this month of July. He rarely ever takes time off, so I'm glad that he's been able to take some time off with his family. Today we are in our third week of a five-week study of the book of James. Now, John Piper, most of you have probably heard that name, has written a great description of the lessons that we find in James. He writes, James 1 teaches us how spiritual maturity is developed through a proper response in suffering. James 2 teaches us that spiritual maturity is enhanced or developed through a proper acknowledgement and understanding of God's word. And we will see in today's lesson in James 3 teaches us that spiritual maturity is evidenced by the use of our tongue, by the way that we use our speech. The scripture reference that we have for our sermon today is from James 3, 1 through 18, and I'll be reading all of that. You have that on the screen behind me or join, join with me uh, in your Bibles. James tells us here, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you, should, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by the strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting the, on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and of sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. And from the same mouth come blessings and cursings. My brothers, these ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the, in the meekness of wisdom. 
But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Join me as we pray. Father God, I I thank you for your word. I thank you for this lesson. There's so much here that we need to understand. This was a long passage. And Father, it's full of things that apply to us today. So Father, I pray that, that you help me to break down this lesson into manageable lessons that we can apply to our lives. Father, I pray that you open our hearts, that you give us that ability to be able to understand. I pray that you speak through me using your word and that I'll be discerning, that I'll be clear. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for the mercy and the goodness that you always show us. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Have you ever said something that you wish you hadn't said? Maybe uh, you've made a comment to someone and right away you realized, oh no, I shouldn't have said that. Maybe the opposite happened. And when you said something, you didn't realize that you said something wrong, but then somebody pointed out, that really offended me. Maybe someone does something to you or says something to you that makes you angry and then out of that anger, you say something that you really didn't mean and you wish you hadn't. I think we've all done it. Uh, One day I was talking to a lady at work and she was actually someone that I reported to. She had been out of work for a while with some type of illness. I don't know really what it was, but she she was a person that I didn't really have a close relationship with, and we really didn't have a good relationship at all. I did want to show her a sincere caring, uh, and, and I wanted to ask her about how she was. So I asked her how she was feeling when she returned to work, and I waited for her response. She told me that she was feeling much better, and I told her that that was wonderful news, and I told her she looked better, that her complexion was clearing up. You can imagine how that went over. I didn't intend to say something offensive, and I wasn't trying to be malicious at all, Uh, but in that moment, I displayed a lack of wisdom I said the wrong thing and that wrong thing was probably hurtful to her we can use our words in many different ways we can also misuse our words through gossip sometimes we get caught up in saying something about someone that we've heard or something about someone something that we've heard and It's a comment that's not edifying at all. Sadly, we know at least one person in our lives who 
has a story to tell about the sad circumstances or bad circumstances of a family member or of a friend or even of our church. And it usually starts with, now, I don't want to gossip, but did you hear? Gossip, improper comments, general misuse of speech have been a plague of mankind since the fall of Adam. God has blessed us immensely with gifts that help us function in this life. And the power of speech is one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. With it, we can communicate with one another. We can communicate with God in praise and prayer. We can share the word of God and we can share the good news of Jesus Christ with people all around the world. With speech, we have the power to do wonderful things. With speech, though, we also have the power to do harmful things. We can lie we can tear down one another, we can blaspheme God, we can manipulate other people, and we can ruin the reputation of others. Throughout the Bible, particularly in the Psalms and the Proverbs, uh, there are a number of verses that say a great deal about the relationship between the wise person and careful speech. We are able to use speech carefully because it is, or we need to use speech carefully because it's so easy for us to use it in a negative way. And we're studying that lesson in James today. As a reminder of the book of James, I want to tell you again that the brother of Jesus is the one who wrote this book, and it was a letter to the churches that were scattered throughout Asia, and it's considered by some to be the Proverbs of the New Testament. So in chapter 3, James admonishes us, and that means he lovingly warns us about the need to not only watch our speech, but to learn to control what we say. He explains, though, that this is one of the hardest things that we'll ever try to do. So in our lesson today, we continue to talk about how the Christian can live and should live a wise life. And in this world, um, today's lesson is particularly applicable it's interesting, uh, as we read the passage, that James starts off with the teaching of wisdom and speech by saying, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And I can still remember teachers from my childhood and my youth today when I was in second grade, there was, there was one thing that, that stood out when I thought about this. I had uh, a pet rabbit that died. And at school, I was sad, and my teacher noticed that, that I was sad. And after she asked about that, I told her about what had happened. And I guess at some point, I was expecting warmth and understanding 
the what I got was really very different. She looked at me and said, get over it. The sooner you realize that death is a reality of this world, the better off you are. Then she just walked off. So just like my comments with the lady that I worked with, I don't think she meant to be harmful or hurtful, but words without thought can be hurtful. And most of us have situations like that in our lives, and we can remember those words to this day. I also remember, though, that there is positive influence that I've received from teachers, too. I, I, there was a Sunday school teacher that I had at, at a previous church. Um, he's probably one of the greatest influences that I've, I've ever had particularly when I was a young married man. And I, I can remember his words and his encouragement to me on how to become a better husband. I'll forever be grateful for the investment that he as a teacher made in my life to help shape and to mold me. So it's amazing that the influence that teachers have on our spiritual growth is something that can be used for good, and sometimes that spiritual growth can be for bad. I can remember many of the good things that they say, but I can also remember many of the reckless things that teachers have said. And I'm sure you've got memories like that too. But in this verse, James warns us that people who take on the role as teacher have a great deal of influence in the way that they share life in the way that they share the scriptures, in the way that they, they encourage us to look at the scriptures and share life. He talks a lot about teachers here. And one of the, one of the things that I want to help us all to understand is that in one way or another, we are all teachers we may not be in Sunday school. We may not be up on the pulpit, but we're all sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have to be very careful about the things that we say. We need to make sure that those things that we do say line up with what the scriptures tell us is true. So when teachers take on the role as a spiritual leader, we trust that they are studying God's word. We trust that they're praying about what they're teaching. We trust that what they tell us is what God is sharing with us in his word. Sadly, once a person who is teaching us misspeaks and says something that is wrong, in many ways that can't be taken back. Particularly troubling is, is when a teacher misspeaks and that person is very young in their faith and it might take them in a direction that, that is wrong for their own spiritual health. It could be that they're very easily led astray. So when we're teaching God's word, when speaking in authority to others about God, James is telling us that we'll be held at a higher authority, at a higher standard. 
Our words will be evaluated very closely because of the impact that they make, both good and bad. But because of this standard, James is saying that not all people who aspire to teach God's word should be teachers. That doesn't take away your responsibility to be a teacher one-on-one with people in your life, but maybe you shouldn't stand up in front of a Sunday school. Maybe you shouldn't stand up in front of, the, of others at all. Particularly those people who don't have the discipline of watching what they say when they're teaching. Ministry leaders and teachers share such an important message that it renders it liable for stricter judgment. Now Jesus warns us in Luke 12, 48, that to whom much is given, much will be required. So the people who have been given the gift of teaching have a greater responsibility to exercise their gift wisely. They're required to use that gift to nurture others, to build them up in their faith. And the person who teaches must be careful that his speech reflects the teaching of the word of God. So the greater knowledge and the gift that God has given to us brings the responsibility to live according to that knowledge and ability. Now, here James is not trying to tell us not to become teachers. He's not trying to dissuade people from, uh, from being a teacher if they've been given that gift but he's trying to impress upon those who desire to teach in the ministry the seriousness of the task that they're undertaking. And it must not be entered into without much thought and prayer, and it must not be entered into uh, with selfish reasons. So in verse 2, he explains that we all stumble And in fact, he comments, we all stumble in many ways. James is including himself in this admonishment. Our own perspectives, our own feelings and biases and our sinfulness get in the way of how how we might teach the gospel. I think that James probably was remembering his own disbelief about Jesus when Jesus was having his earthly ministry here uh, that he was thinking about his own stumbling and how that impacted his life during that time and what he said. So notice here what James says, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is perfect, he is a perfect man able to bridle his whole body, being able to control our tongue To control our speech is such a challenging task that James says that if we can do this, we are perfect and we are able to control our whole body. What a tough, tough challenge we have. It's not just the teachers, though, that James is admonishing here. He's specifically warning all of us who have the desire to teach the desire to share the word of God, that we're to be thoughtful and careful in everything that we do. He's telling every Christian 
that we all have the propensity to sin and that our sinfulness might guide and direct some of the things that we say. So we have to be very careful not to misuse our words. So as he wrote the letter, James wanted us to make sure that everyone understood the extent of what he was trying to say. So he, try, he continued to explain the significance of this issue in terms that people of the day would understand. So in verse 3 we read, If we put bits into the mouths of, mouths of horses and, so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and also are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. What a great analogy we have there. The, these small rudders of a boat can direct a big ship. Our tongue, in the same way, directs the way that we act towards other people. It's a guide to our walk in faith at that time. Even though the tongue is a small part of the body, is it capable of having a significant impact, both good and bad? But James goes on in this description, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Now, we've all seen the results of somebody throwing a cigarette out the window and it catching fire. Woods, uh, many acres devastated by a small spark. But he goes on, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting, the fi uh, setting on fire the entire course of life, and, setting, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of, rope, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. Wow. The tongue is harder to tame than a wild animal. We don't usually have wild animals in our home, but I'm sure many of us have pets that we've tried to train in one way or another. And we've seen the extent of the work that it takes. How much more so the tongue This admonishment from James continues, it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessings and cursings. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour, for, uh, pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree... My brothers, bear olives or a grapevine, produce figs. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So what he's saying here is, should a person who claims Christ as their Lord be one who spews both blessings to God and to other people, but then curses to other people? Can we do that? If we're right with God, 
And I think that what James is saying here in so many words is that what we say is a reflection of our own heart. The words that come out are a reflection of who we are. Our speech demonstrates the inner quality of our lives. As followers of Jesus, we are to reflect who our master is and what our master says. In Matthew 12, 34, we're told that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our spiritual health can be evaluated by the words we use and the intent in which we use them. When I was younger, I'd go to the doctor and he'd tell me to open my mouth and stick out my tongue. The doctor is able to tell a lot about our physical health by looking in our mouth. James is saying that we can evaluate our spiritual health by evaluating what comes out of our mouth. What we say and the way that we say it is a clear indication of what is happening in our hearts. So in the next section of James 3, the, the author talks about the difference between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of the word. James wants us to be aware of the results of the actions that will come from having our master here in the world and living by the wisdom of the world and the results of having our master as Christ and living by his wisdom given to us in the word of God. So in order to understand how we're to manage our words for God's glory, let's look at what his word tells us that we should do. Now there are three steps that we can take to become better at controlling our speech. Now step one is expect that the Lord will provide you with all the help you need for this difficult task. Parks read earlier for us David's words in Psalm 141.3, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. But the previous verse, Psalm 141.3, helps us to understand the foundation for David's requests. In it, he says, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Now, in these verses, David is calling on the Lord for his help in controlling the words that he uses on a day-to-day -day basis. He's asking that the Lord will give him the ability for speech that is glorifying and edifying and that the Lord will prevent him from saying anything that is not glorifying or edifying. David realized that he has the ability to be able to speak both good and evil, blessings and cursings from his lips. So with the help from the Spirit of God, 
we practice the fruit of the Spirit. That fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Now, each of these gifts gives us that ability to be able to consider the needs of other people first. At the same time, it gives us the ability to be able to see how we're to most effectively interact with them, to love them, to care for them. Our job is to ask the Lord for guidance to give us the ability to be able to, to help to control our speech and how we're to interact with them in everything that we say and that we do. Now, one important thing I think is, uh, is important to remember is that we have been created as creatures of habit. God in his mercy and grace has created us with the ability to be able to learn things and then become so accustomed to a particular task that we don't even have to think about it as we perform that task. So think about this morning. You probably have a routine that you go through. You wake, you get your coffee, you get breakfast, maybe you shower after that. You put on your clothes, you lock up the house, you drive to church. How many of you really thought about each step as you were going through those tasks? We don't have to do that anymore because God in his mercy has taught us how to habituate things to where we don't even have to think about those anymore. Now just consider the converse of that. What would it be like if you had to relearn everything every day? How do I get up? How do I cook breakfast? How do I take a shower? How do I lock up the car? How do I drive the car or lock up the house? How do I drive the car? You remember the first time you drove a car? You had to set the seat. You had to look at the mirror. You had to fix the radio in the right place. Then you had to look around and see where the key went in. Now, you get in the car. You put the key in. You drive. You put on the blinker when you need to put on the blinker. You stop when you need to stop. You yell at people when you need to yell at people. You're not even thinking about it anymore. So God has given us that ability to be able to habituate the way that we do things. So we have the ability to be able to habituate those things that are good. But we also have the, the ability to habituate bad habits. We eat too much. We don't exercise. We don't read the word of God, we sleep too late, we say things we shouldn't say. Hope you get the point here. Uh, we habituate the way that we respond to people. And we say things without really considering the way that we're saying it and the way that we respond. We've habituated that. Now, Here's an example. I don't know what it might be, but more than likely I could say one thing to you in a conversation 
And it would cause you to go, be, go from being happy and carefree to angry and in an attack mode. Just like that. You wouldn't even have to think about the response. You wouldn't even think about the process that you're going through. Now think about that process. You're, sitting, you're going through, somebody says something or, to you, think, wait a minute, what did he say? I should be angry about that. Now, in my anger, I'm going to respond in a way that shows my anger. And I'm going to say things that I shouldn't say. We don't even have to think about that process. We know right then how we're going to respond because we've habituated it over our lives. This is one of the things that we have to consider in everything that we do. We've got to put off the old way of doing things. We've got to take on the new way of doing things. The old way, the old man, the way of the world, the new way, the new man, the way of Jesus Christ. Step two. Remember that wise and truthful words are welcomed and appreciated. Now, Proverbs 12, 17 through 20 tells us, Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like, a, like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. There is a correct way to share the truth with one another. Paul tells us in Romans 15, 14, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. In Colossians 3.16, Paul writes, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we're to tell one another the truth with love. We don't do it in arrogance and we don't build ourselves up to tear another person down. We do it to show love for another person who needs help. So notice too that the knowledge and teaching, the instruction and the word of God is mentioned again and again. We spoke earlier about the role of the teacher. These verses give us clear understanding of our responsibility to use proper speech filled with truthfulness. So in our sermon last week, in, we, we talked about in James 2, uh, the, the relationship between character and deeds. And earlier today we discussed that truth, um, that the truth that flows from the mouth can reflect the type of heart we have within. These verses 
basically make the same point, that there's a relationship with our character and our deeds. There's a relationship between our heart and what we say. If we are mature in our faith, we live a life that exhibits the fruit of the Spirit in our words and in our deeds. And if we're lacking in our faith, if our relationship with God is faltering, that distance from God shows in how we respond to, first first and foremost, our loving God, but how we respond to other people. Now think about that. If we're thinking about the way that we habituate things, if we know that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all of the fruit of the Spirit is a, is a, a gift of the Spirit as we're living our lives close to the Lord. If we're exhibiting the opposite of that, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. That's the fruit of the world. And that's a wonderful indication for us. God in his mercy is showing us that we've drifted. If I'm not showing you love, if I'm showing you hate in my speech, my relationship with God is not what I think that it should be. I've got a bigger relationship with the world at that time. That doesn't mean that I might lose that relationship or that relationship is is gone for good. It just means that in my weakness of the day, I'm not acting the way that I should be acting and it's drawing me away from God rather than drawing me to God. So we have always used those type of things as an indicator to our relationship with God. If we're showing anger, if we're showing frustration, if we're showing all of the things that are opposite That's a view of our heart. That's a way that we can look and see those things that draw us away from God. We can see our own sinfulness. Step three is the proper guide for learning effective speech is God's word. So Proverbs 10.8 explains the wise of heart will receive commandments but a babbling fool will come to ruin. The person who is wise will be quiet and listen before speaking. For the Christian, wisdom comes from God's word, and we learn through God's word what is proper and the opposite, what is improper. We study God's word so that we can implement those truths in our lives. So the babbling fool is a person who does not know when to be quiet and listen. So we must be willing to sit regularly before God and his word so that we're able to grow in our relationship with him. We also want to grow in our knowledge of him. Now, we've heard Pastor Marty say repeatedly, we are in this world, but we're not of this world. Yet, so much of our speech reflects the message of this world and not the message of God. You know, it's, it's amazing how subtly the messages of the world 
impact our speech. And we don't even realize it. I was, as I was writing out this sermon, I, I usually hit the editor to make sure that I'm not misspelling words or I'm not saying something that's incorrect. And earlier I called you brothers and sisters. As brothers and sisters, I got a response from the editor that said, a better way to say this, this not offensive, is as siblings in Christ. The culture affects us in so many different ways. We've got to be aware of that. We've got to make sure that the culture is not taking us away from what the Word of God tells us. So because we're immersed in that culture, we, we have that ability to, to, to focus too much on what it tells us, that we are in a culture of lies, blasphemes. It tears down others. It uses words to degrade. And we are travelers in a foreign land. Remember that. We're sojourners. This is not our home. So we're not to learn the language of this world. We're supposed to spend the time necessary to learn the language of our home. And we can only do that by consistently being in the word of God. Proverbs 10, 31, 32 tells us, the mouth of the righteousness, a righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse? God promises that his word will provide us with the guidance we need to live in this world in a way that honors and glorifies him. And it's only through the wisdom that he provides with the help of the Holy Spirit that we can effectively obey and do what he's asking us to do as his children. But there's one thing that we can be assured of. If we watch our words and seek the guidance that we need from God's word, we will be living in a God-honoring way. So one of the clearest marks of a true, mature, and whole Christian is the ability to be able to control his tongue. And one aspect of that control is to use it in a way that glorifies God and builds up or edifies other people because it's a reflection of our own heart. David in the Old Testament realized the challenge of this, the fact that, that he needed his heart to be revealed So he asked God for his help. He asked that God would search his heart. I think, is it any wonder why he was considered a man after God's own heart? He realized that it was his own heart that he needed to control. So we must remember that we are called to be different. We're called to be set apart. We're children of the most high God and our words and deeds need to reflect who we belong to join me in prayer 
Lord God, we love you. We thank you so much. I just pray that you give us that ability to be able to control our words. Give us that ability to be able to edify others rather than tear others down. Father, you are a great God, and we don't deserve the blessings that you show us, but you do. And I just pray that we use them in a way that bring you glory. You've given us so many different gifts. The gift of speech is one of them. And Father, we can build up or we can tear down. We can glorify you or we can blaspheme you. And Father, sometimes we don't even realize it when we do it. So I would just pray that you would give us an awareness. Search our hearts. Help us to see when we don't bring you glory. Help us to see when we don't love others the way that we should. And Father, then I pray that you would convict us and then give us the strength and the ability to change. We do love you. We do thank you. We thank you for this time that we have together. And I pray that we go into this week sharing who you are with those people who need it. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.